Game Trail Podcast. All right, we're back. Wait, after seven months of being missing field, in action, missing in action, um, <laughs> we don't have any other excuses really, other than life in general. We have involved. no excuse for something. Robert, <laughs> <laughs> do you have any excuses? I got a hobby? great excuse. We were supposed to do a podcast out in the field. Mm-hmm. And this. this guy over here on my left, and you can't see him, his name starts with an E. Ends with a C. Ends with a C. And the middle ones are I and an R. Or an R and an I. Anyways. Anyways. 2019 is over. Uh, we drew elk in 2019. All three of us had the exact same tag, exact same hunt, same unit. That was done on purpose, not by accident. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we met the statistics. According to New Mexico Game Fish, usually 25% of guys and gals tag out, and that's what it was. We went for one for three. Which wasn't bad. But yeah, no one's complaining. Um, let's go say it now because that way he doesn't have to brag about the rest of the time. Brian. Hidden elk, five by five, nice. Took one down. Um, Day four of the hunt. So we'll just go. Woo, woo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we prepared for the hunt. We kind of already knew the unit because we've drawn before. Um, Nobody, I think that was your first time really hunting that unit, right? Yeah, that was my first time, I yeah. think, in that area. Yeah, you kind of hunted other units for elk, but this is a whole new part of the state for him. And what do you think? What did you think of it? I where you've been before. Personally, I thought it was awesome. I mean, it was there's a lot of action. It was a fun hunt. Uh, unfortunately, I was unsuccessful, but I did have a few opportunities. Opportunities, yeah, yeah. Um, we didn't scout it. Well, we did scout it. We, me and Brian got down there a little earlier than Nobert. Scout for two days straight. Had a lot of luck. Covered a lot of stinking ground. Burned a lot of gas. Uh, and we're not talking about like, pinto bean gas. <laughs> <laughs> we're, t- we're talking fuel diesel holy smokes but um like i said we knew the unit so it wasn't something new we're going into um it was for Norbert, but that didn't matter we knew exactly where we needed to be and it worked out for one of us <laughs> and uh me for myself i can only speak for myself i had some good opportunities as well i just couldn't capitalize on them it's just not the right wrong angles or just a little too far away. Um, except one. Except one. We did have a... We had a, a spike. A spike bowl on, on opening morning. Day. Yeah. What do you guys do? What do you do when they... The old saying, don't pass on the first day, but you shoot on the last day. Well, you see a spike bowl and a hard-to-draw elk unit on opening morning, what, two hours into the hunt? It's kind of hard to shoot a spike bowl, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Five days later, I would have shot that thing without even hesitation. <laughs> and I don't think Norbert would have even guessed about it either. It would have been a done deal. Anywhere from 10 yards to 15 yards, broadside, broadside shots left and right. Yeah, we both um, had the opportunity and we both passed it up. Uh, we were separated. I was looking one draw. Eric was looking at the other and Spike walked right up to both of us. You know, different locations, obviously, but we both... Opted out of shooting him. And for those that are listening from out of state, 
generally the all of the early season elk tags for bow are either sex and there's no point restriction so you can shoot a cow elk a spike elk or that nice big old 350 that you've been jeering about for years you know so um i think for us it's pretty cool that we had the opportunity because you can you know if you want to call it, look for that big bull that you've been looking for for your whole life or you can take your opportunity and take some meat take a cow or take a, an immature bull I think it's a good option, especially for the bow hunt, because it's tough. Everybody knows that when you hunt bow, it's, it can be pretty tough sometimes. Yeah, especially you do a lot of hiking. There are a lot of hiking. A lot of you taking take your, your bow for a hike. Yeah. <laughs> or walking with your friend. <laughs> yeah, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. Nice stroll through the mountains. Yeah, nice stroll through the mountains. Um, I don't know about you guys. It, we all experience out here in the West a pretty snowy, wet winter. Um and then we had a really hot summer and it just like the monsoons kind of tried to kick in, but they never really fully kicked in. It wasn't dry out there. It was, it was really green, but um, we're not sure if that heat had anything to do with the rut activity. Cause that's, we're bringing that up. Cause I know where you guys were at, where we were, it just depended on what ridge you're on. Literally like one ridge would be fired up and elk <coughs> literally fighting, buling. All the stuff that you dream about as late or September elk hunt to bulls that were bastard up on other ridges. There wasn't a cow. We saw only bulls. We didn't even see cows. And they were, we're mm-hmm. talking good sized bulls and there wasn't even cows with these guys and they weren't making any noise. So it was, it was kind of odd. And the unit we were hunting in is pretty big and it's very diverse. It goes all the way from shoot almost desert to rolling juniper pinon. All up to thick, dark timber, you know, and aspens and stuff. So it's a, it's a cool unit to hunt in. And we had success in finding elk anywhere from the low elevations to the high elevations, but we were the most successful and most shot our teams up in the, in the high country. That's where you shot yours. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. What are you? No. Teacher now or what? Said successful. Yeah. Never mind. Don't be dumb. (laughs) <laughs> Jeez. This guy's not getting it. So we'll go um we'll just skip to Brian since he's Mr. Wright and he can talk about his elk shot. Go. <laughs> Don't tell him. <laughs> well, we all decided to separate on day four of our hunt. Eric and Nobert went one one area I decided to kind of go down a two track what was back by by camp. So I took off, went down the road on the quad and parked it on the side and walked up into this this draw but went up into the hills and there was elk everywhere. So I got all excited and went up into the tree line, started making my stock and I get pretty close to them. And I find a shed. So, of course, what does everybody do? They get all happy when they find a shed. And I pulled out my phone and mark it on my Onyx so I could uh, put a pinpoint on there and or a waypoint and come back and pick it up later. And uh, when I was doing that, I look up and, of course, the whole herd is looking at me. And so uh, I just kind of stood still and watched them. They kind of took off walking slowly up the up the hill and then I was 
getting ready to cross over to the other side so I could try and circle around the mountain and head them off, uh, figure they're headed to their bedding area. And when I was getting ready to do that, and then more elk came shooting down the opposite hillside, ran through the meadow and up and over. And of course they stop and they're staring right at me. And I was like, well, they already know I'm here. What do I got to lose? And I just went across the, the meadow, got to the other side. They took off up the hill and then just started walking. So I was happy that I didn't spook them out. As uh, I started walking around the the little mountain, there was an old two-track road. was overgrown with grass, so it was nice and quiet. And I see the cows up on the hill. So as I'm watching them... I see some movement on the corner of my eye and I turn and look and there was a bull standing there and off that little T-track there was, there was a little drop off with dropped down and went into the meadow and he was facing away from me so I knew he didn't know I was there so I started getting a little bit closer hoping that he'll turn and with my luck he was he stepped up onto a little berm and quartering away at a roughly around 30 yards and I shot him and he ran less than a hundred yards and there he laid. So it was 7.30 in the morning. I was gonna head back to camp to get Nolbert and Eric, but I knew that they were out. So I just figured I might as well get everything done. So I took some pictures real quick and started processing the, or quartering up the, the elk. You know, I got halfway done and figured I'll go and get them. And then I was like, well, I'm already here, halfway done, might as well finish. So I got it all done, chopped it up, uh, hauled out one quarter and the head with all my stuff, and then went and uh, got Eric and Nolbert, and these guys helped me pack the rest of it out, which was nice. So it was nice. Guys. It was a, a nice satellite bull. He's a 5x5. Five five. Um, he's bigger than my very first one. What I shot, I shot a 5x5. Five before and so i got a small one medium one and a large one what i have yeah what was nice is was one of us was able to start was successful and it made i don't know how you felt over i felt pretty like we had, it was a huge accomplishment it's always a huge accomplishment when one of us or all of us uh tag out but just um it was i don't know that tension kind of like trying to get one down uh yeah. is always kind of relief and of course, you always want it to be you, not the other person, <laughs> <laughs> for bragging rights and everything else. And then you don't have to carry your stupid bow around anymore. And I was very jealous because Brian spent the rest of the hunt not having to carry his bow, and he never offered to carry mine for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it definitely, it, I don't know. It's, there's some relief in there, and there's also like bitter speaking. There's stress because I don't know how you guys feel, but like I don't know, overfeel. But for me, I feel like I'm now I gotta I'm in a rush to get one down or tried my hardest because. You know, he's tagged out and, you know, and it is completely off of what he's at, what Brian was actually thinking. I'm thinking like, oh, now he wants to go home. Screw this. These guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're rushing and then you're like, do I quit? And, and it's easy to quit in a, in a, in any hump, especially uh, the bow hunts because the bow hunts run way longer than the rifle and the muzzleloader hunts. It's a 14 day hunt. And it, we've learned, I think we we're kind of talking about what we learned from this hunt is, it's a marathon, not a sprint, and uh, maybe we should. Uh, we were exhausted by day five, and we really put some miles on each day. And day five, I was exhausted, and then the, 
when they say ups and downs, there are some ups and then the downs are downs. And we were seeing elk all, all the time. I think that's what makes it even worse is we're seeing elk just at like, you know, rifle range would have been awesome. Bow range, not so much. And then we're not really big callers. Um, we don't practice enough and we've generally had pretty good uh, success with spot and stock and just listening to them and trying to get in the way of them and where they're headed to, you know, over their beds or wherever water. And we usually do pretty good doing that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I wish we would, we need to practice calling more because you see it all the time. These guys calling bull elk and I don't know what kind of situation they're in to make that happen. Cause we were in situations where we had active, you know, bugling, uh, even, you know, you could hear them cracking with each other, smash each other up. And, um, I didn't capitalize on it. All I had was a cow call and that's more or less just to stop them if I was going to blow them out. Um, we did a couple beagles every now and then. Uh, it didn't blow them out, but it also they didn't call, call them in either. It, they just kind of like looked over and kind of like, oh, okay, beagle, whatever. And then went on their business. So yeah. something we got to work on for sure is calling. Definitely. There's some situations we probably could have capitalized on that will to breed. And yeah, we didn't. just we definitely, like you said, definitely need to practice that and, and get out there. We cow call, and like you said, it the cow call it keeps them from spooking, it calms them down. They don't really, whenever we call it, they don't really come in, they just yeah. stand there and look in our direction. And I mean, we're Far enough away that we could call them in. We know that where they're at, but all right, we're back. Wait, after seven months of being missing out of the field, in action, missing in action, <laughs> um, we don't have any other excuses really, other than life in general. We have no involved. excuse for something. <laughs> Our Robert, do you have any excuses? I got a, a great excuse. We were supposed to do a podcast out in the field, mm-hmm. and this. this guy over here on my left, and you can't see him, his name starts with an E. Ends with a C. Ends with a C, and the middle ones are I and an R, or an R and an I. Anyways. Anyways. 2019 is over. Uh, we drew elk in 2019. All three of us had... The exact same tag, exact same hunt, same unit. That was done on purpose, not by accident. <laughs> and um, we met the statistics. According to New Mexico Game Fish, usually 25% of guys and gals tag out, and that's what it was. We went for one for three. Which wasn't bad. Which, yeah, no one's complaining. Um, let's go say it now, because that way he doesn't have to brag about the rest of the time. Brian hidden elk. Five by five, nice. Took one down. Um, Day four of the hunt. So we'll just go. (laughs) 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 We prepared for the hunt. We kind of already knew the unit because we've drawn before. Um, Nobody, I think that was your first time really hunting that unit, right? Yeah, that was my first time, I think, in that area. You kind of hunted other units for elk, but this is a whole new part of the state for him. And what do you think? What did you think of it? I where you've been for personally i thought it was awesome i mean it was there's a lot of action it was a fun hunt uh unfortunately i was unsuccessful but i did have a few opportunities opportunities yeah yeah 
Um, we didn't scout it. Well, we did scout it. We, me and Brian got down there a little earlier than Nobert. Scout for two days straight. Had a lot of luck. Covered a lot of stinking ground. Burned a lot of gas. Uh, and we're not talking about like, dope bean gas. <laughs> we're, talking, we're talking fuel, diesel, all the smokes. But um, like I said, we knew the unit, so it wasn't something new we're going into. Um, it was for Norbert, but that didn't matter. We knew exactly where we needed to be. And it worked out for one of us. <laughs> and uh, me, for myself, I can only speak for myself, I had some good opportunities as well. I just couldn't capitalize on them. It's just not the right wrong angles or just a little too far away. Um, except one. Except one. We did have a, we had a, a spike. A spike bowl on, on opening, opening morning. Yeah. What do you guys do? What do you do when they, the old saying, don't pass on the first day, but you shoot on the last day. Well, you see a spike bull in a hard to draw elk unit on opening morning. What, two hours into the hunt? It's kind of hard to shoot a spike bull, to be honest <laughs> with you. Five days later, I would have shot that thing <laughs> without even hesitation. And I don't think Melbourne would have even guessed about it either. It would have been a done deal. Anywhere from 10 yards to 15 yards, broadside, broadside shots left and right. Yeah, we both um, had the opportunity, and we both passed it up. Uh, we were separated. I was looking one draw. Eric was looking at the other end. Spike walked right up to both of us, you know, in different locations, obviously, but we both opted out of shooting him. And for those that are listening from out of state, generally the all of the early season elk tags for bow are either sex, and there's no point restriction. So you can shoot a cow elk, a spike elk, or that nice big old 350 that you've been jeering about for years, you know, so... Um, I think for us, it's pretty cool that we had the opportunity because you can, you know, if you want to call it, look for that big bull that you've been looking for for your whole life, or you can take your opportunity and take some meat, take a cow, or take a, an immature bull. I think it's a good option, especially for the bow hunt, because it's tough. Everybody knows that when you hunt bow, it can be pretty tough sometimes. Yeah, especially you do a lot of hiking. There are a lot of hiking. A lot of you taking take your, your for walk. a hike. Yeah. <laughs> or walking with your friend. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Nice stroll through the mountains. Yeah, nice stroll through the mountains. Um, I don't know, you guys, it, we all experienced out here in the West a pretty snowy, wet winter. Um, and then we had a really hot summer, and it just like the monsoons kind of tried to kick in, but they never really fully kicked in. It wasn't dry out there, it was, it was really green. But, um, we're not sure if that heat had anything to do with the rut activity because that's we're bringing that up because I know where you guys were at, where we were, it just depended on what ridge you're on. Literally, like one ridge would be fired up and elk, <coughs> literally fighting, bueling, all the stuff that you dream about as late or September elk hunt to bulls that were bastard up on other ridges. There wasn't a cow. We saw only bulls. We didn't even see cows, and there we're mm-hmm. talking good sized bulls, and there wasn't cows with these guys. And they weren't making any noise. So it was, was kind of odd. And don't even know, the unit we were hunting in is pretty big and is very diverse. It goes all the way from, shoot, almost desert to rolling juniper, pinon, all up to thick, dark timber, you know, and aspens and stuff. So it's a, it's a cool unit to hunt in. And we had success in 
finding out anywhere from the low elevations to the high elevations, but we were the most successful and most shop our tunes up in the in the high country. That's where you shot yours. Yeah. Whatever. What are you no teacher I now or what? Said sucked successful. Yeah. Never mind. Don't be dumb. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> this guy's not getting it. So we'll go, um, we'll just skip to Brian. This he's Mr. Wright. He can talk about his elk shot. Go. <laughs> Don't tell him. <laughs> well, we all decided to separate on day four of our hunt. Eric and Nobert went one one area. I decided to kind of go down a two-track was back by, by camp, so... I took off, went down the road on the quad and parked it on the side and walked up into this this draw but went up into the hills and there was elk everywhere. So I got all excited and went up into the tree line, started making my stock and I get pretty close to them and I find a shed. So of course, what does everybody do? They get all happy when they find a shed and I... Pulled out my phone to mark it on my Onyx so I could uh, put a pinpoint on there and or a waypoint and come back and pick it up later. And uh, when I was doing that, I look up and, of course, the whole herd is looking at me. And so uh, I just kind of stood still and watched them. They kind of took off walking slowly up the, up the hill. And then I was getting ready to cross over to the other side so I could try and circle around the mountain and head them off and uh, figure they're headed to their bedding area. And when I was getting ready to do that, and then more elk came shooting down the opposite hillside, ran through the meadow and up and over. And of course they stop and they're staring right at me. And I was like, well, they already know I'm here. What do I got to lose? And I just went across the, the meadow, got to the other side. They took off up the hill and then just started walking. So I was happy that I didn't spook him out as uh, I started walking around the the little mountain. There was an old two-track road was overgrown with grass. So it was nice and quiet. And I see the cows up on the hill. So as I'm watching them, I see some movement on the corner of my eye and I turn and look and there was a bull standing there. And off that little two-track, there was, there was a little drop off, dropped down and went into the meadow. And he was facing away from me, so I knew he didn't know I was there, so I started getting a little bit closer, hoping that he'll turn. And with my luck, he was he stepped up onto a little berm and quartering away at a roughly around 30 yards, and I shot him. And he ran less than 100 yards, and there he laid. So it was 7.30 in the morning. I was going to head back to camp to get Nolbert and Eric, but I knew that they were out. So I just figured I might as well get everything done. So I took some pictures real quick and started processing the or quartering up the, the elk. You know, I got halfway done and figured I'll go and get them. And then I was like, well, I'm already here, halfway done, might as well finish. So I got it all done, chopped it up, uh, hauled out one quarter and the head with all my stuff and then went and... Uh, Got Eric and Nolbert, and these guys helped me pack the rest of it out, which was nice. So it was nice. Guys. It was a, a nice satellite bull. He's a 5x5. Five five. 
Um, he's bigger than my very first one. What I shot, I shot a five by five before, and so I got a small one, medium one, and a large one. What I have, yeah. What was nice is was one of us was able to start was successful, and it made I don't know how he felt, no, but I felt pretty, like we had, it was a huge accomplishment. It's always a huge accomplishment when one of us or all of us uh, tag out, but just um, it was. I don't know that tension, kind of like trying to get one down, uh, yeah, is always kind of relief. And of course, he always wanted to be you, not the other person, <laughs> 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 for bragging rights and everything else. And then you don't have to carry your stupid bow around anymore. And I was very jealous because Brian spent the rest of the hunt not having to carry his bow, and he never offered to carry mine for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it definitely, it, I don't know. It's, there's a relief, and then there's also like bitter speaking. There's stress because. I don't know how you guys feel, but like, I don't know how Norbert feels, but for me, I feel like I'm now I gotta, I'm in a rush to get one down or tried my hardest because, you know, he's tagged out and, you know, and it is completely opposite of what he's at, what Brian was actually thinking. I'm thinking like, oh, now he wants to go home, screw this, these guys suck. (laughs) (laughs) And now you're rushing and then you're like, do I quit? And it's easy to quit in a, in a, in any hump, especially a, uh, the bow hunts because the bow hunts run way longer than the rifle and the muzzleloader hunts. It's a 14 day hunt. And it, we've learned, I think we were kind of talking about what we learned from this hunt is this is, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And uh, maybe we should, uh, we were exhausted by day five and we've really put some miles on each day and day five, I was exhausted. And then the, when they say ups and downs, there are some ups and then the downs are downs. And we were seeing elk all, all the time. I think that's what makes it even worse is we're seeing elk just at like, you know, rifle range would have been awesome. Bow range, not so much. And then we're not really big callers. Um, we don't practice enough and we've generally had pretty good uh, success with spot and stock and just listening to them and trying to get in the way of them and where they're headed to, you know, over their beds or wherever water. And we usually do pretty good doing that. Mm-hmm. And um, I wish we would we need to practice calling more because you see it all the time. These guys calling in bull elk and I don't know what kind of situation they're in to make that happen. Cause we were in situations where we had active, you know, bugling, uh, even, you know, you could hear them cracking with each other, smash each other up. And, um, I didn't capitalize on it. All I had was a cow call and that's more or less just to stop them. If I was going to blow them out. Um, we did a couple bugles every now and then. Uh, it didn't blow them out, but also they didn't call, call them in either. It, they just kind of like looked over and kind of like, oh, okay, bugle, whatever, and then went on their business. So yeah. something we got to work on for sure is calling. Definitely. There's some situations we probably could have capitalized on that will to breed. And yeah, we didn't. Just, we definitely, like you said, definitely need to practice that and, and get out there. We, we cow call. And like you said, it the cow call it keeps them from spooking. It calms them down. They don't really. Whenever we call it, they don't really come in. They just yeah. stand there and look in our direction. And I mean, we're far enough away that we could call them in. We know that where they're at, but they they won't come in. And it's something what we just need to learn on what call to use next to bring those bulls in that extra little distance. Is that like the calling or is that like part of the, you know, depending on what stage of the rut they're in or, I mean. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> the reason I say it, I, I remember, I, I mean, this was 
when I first went hunting, uh, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, you know, I saw, you know, my brother-in-law call a bull in with, with his bugle and I don't know, I, 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 he came charging us and yeah, but then, you know, recently I haven't seen it work. So I, I don't know I don't, what, I don't know what the trick well, is. Well, I've called elk in <clears throat> just sitting there with my cow call calling, just making sounds. And I've called elk in not even trying, you know, and I, I don't know how or what I was doing different before in the past, you know, or whenever I'm hunting, but I just sit there, you know, calling in, letting one of my buddies know where I'm at or letting Eric know where I was at. I'm sitting there calling, 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 and I called in an elk. Hmm. I was there on one of those occasions and uh, I didn't have my bow with me. I was trying to help him pack out an elk and uh, an elk showed up. (laughs) We don't know if it was a bull or a cow, but something came up. It was an elk. came in. And as soon as I walked up, I was like, oh, yeah, qu- you know, cool, we found you know, you found your cow. And then we, whatever it was, blew the heck out of there. And he gave us a second to even nope. see what it was. It was a cow or a bull. But I definitely went into this one mentally prepared, but not physically prepared. <laughs> I started, we started out, I don't know about Brian and, and Noah, but I started out pretty gun-ho. And... Uh, and then as the summer kind of came on, family thing, school was out and got entertained the kids. And so I'm making a lot of excuses up. So basically I just fell off the wagon and, um, it was very kind of easy to me. fall off the wagon. I'm still off the wagon. <laughs> I, I know I'm trying to get back on the wagon. I'm like putting a foot on it right now. Get back in. We I mean, the draws are, we'll be here before you know it here in New Mexico. I know they can already put in for the draws for everyone out there listening. You want to hunt in the state. You can start putting in your your hunts. Make sure you get the harvest port in. I don't have the dates on me, but um, the thing is due in February. Yeah, they're all in February, and then you yeah. have like a don't they charge you or something like that? You yeah, you have like a late day fee. grace period, a late fee for your harvest report. So make sure we got to make sure you get those done. Has it has it changed? I know, like three years back, I or somebody I know. <laughs> somebody I know. Someone you know. Uh, missed they be in this missed room? the dates. Yeah, they they might be in this room. I'm not sure, but uh, missed the dates and was not able to put in for the draw. So make sure. Mm. Yeah, I I don't know if it still applies that way or not, no. but I know it, it if you don't me. put a harvest report, if you got drawn for a big game and you do not put in your harvest report, you are not qualified to hunt. Yeah, right. Then the following year. <clears throat> Like Eric was saying, you could do the late fee charge. It's not very much. I want to no, say it's, it's like eight much. bucks or something like yeah. that. You know, so you pay that and you're able to apply. But if you do not do that, then you are not able to apply at all. Yeah. So, but all this kind of stuff we'll we'll get into in a in a different episode. We were planning yeah. on another podcast with the 2020. Rules and regs of New Mexico and stuff like that. So we'll try and remember yeah, and touch base on that. Thumb through it and see if anything changed. I don't, I haven't heard of any big changes, but you never know. There's sometimes they do little minute things. They gotta kind of have to comb through and, and cash. But um, uh, let's see. I'm looking at the proclamation uh, deadline to submit your, the late 2019 
2020 harvest report is due on March 18th. That is the latest you can do it. Oh, that's pretty late. That is pretty late. Um, I can't tell if there's a fee here. And I usually, I'm pretty sure they charge you a fee, uh, $8 fee for it being late. That's a small price to pay to, mm, to, to be allowed to, to put in for big games. So I wouldn't complain. Um, and other one dates are March 18th is the deadline for the application draw license for Barbary sheep, bighorn, basically all the big game in New Mexico. So on the same day that you, the deadline is the la- actually don't give you a grace period. Same day you put in for it, you also have to put in your harsh port and you have to pay the late fee. Those are both on the same date. March 18th and March 18th. There you go. So you don't get much of a grace period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't get any. <laughs> <laughs> but they let you do it at the last second as you're putting in your application. Um, what else? I, I had a shot opportunity and I think we kind of discussed it before. I, or even us probably, do a lot of target practice in the backyard and that's all I did, um, which is good and bad. The bad side is me and Brian, Norbert wasn't up yet, up in camp. And me and Brian came across a small group of uh, elk, and we had a nice bull. And I know his thought, my thought process was the bull's too far out. I figured he's 90-plus yards. He ranged him real quick, hit him at, what, 53 yards? And yeah. I drilled that all 50 yards, 60 yards. I'm good. I, I'm solid. The terrain and everything played, we were playing games with him. I thought he was way further. I would have guessed him way further out than what he actually was. And then, so I drew back automatically. And, and in that drawing process, that bull walked forward and then we didn't have a shot no more. He makes that one or two steps and he was yeah. behind the oh, tree. Was a, not even a quartering way, it was just a quarter shot. Yeah. Like his very it, quarter. It was, it was very frustrating because right after that, we move up and we catch him again. We have the shot opportunity for a split second, and then he steps again right into the tree. And mm-hmm. he did that, what, at least three times or something. We had, it seemed like forever. We were and, trying this cat and mouse game with these yeah, guys. Yeah, and then he finally he finally took off him. And the other one, there was a smaller one, was a little bit further further away. Yeah. but And he's the one that blew them all out. He had no clue right there, but that it was, a, it was like a spike bull, a little dudes. Yeah. Um, Nova had a, an opportunity that... Uh, we still give him crap about. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure yeah. it haunts him. It haunts me for him. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, in, in fairness, it was the ethical term of ethics. It was the ethical thing to do, not take the shot. But mm-hmm. given the, that op scenario, man, I don't know if everyone would have known it. Had the discipline to not take that shot because I'll let him yeah. tell us. Right? They were close. Go ahead, Mulbert. Well, we were basically heard uh heard some bugling you know a canyon over or whatever so we said well let's go you know make our way over there and basically over a matter of what maybe an hour two hours maybe um kind of chasing the bugles um we were able to basically walk up on them get within what was the sh- shot it was just over 30 yards so yeah, 30 something 30 I don't something know. yards um Brian, he's the reason they give me crap. I mean, he's just constantly like, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. And, you know, from where I was standing, he, you know, his whole body was behind this thick oak brush and really nice. I want to call him Monster Bull. Um, he was big. <laughs> but he, uh, you know, all that was presenting was, you know, maybe the top portion of his neck, his head, 
And that was it, you know. I mean, yeah, they're, you know, jugglers, everything that, you know, the possibilities are there, but, you know, I just, I just didn't feel right. I didn't want to, I didn't want to wound them and, and, uh, decided against the shot. And I do regret it and I do get a lot of crap for it by these guys. <laughs> but, we remind them, uh, yeah, yeah they, about every time yeah, we go to work. Right? Yeah, every cycle they, I get reminded about that, but, um, but he, yeah, yeah. And, and he did do the ethical thing. I was, Standing right behind him, we were walking up, and Nobler was the one who spotted him. And he's like, "There's a bull right there." And I look up, and I saw it, and I was like, "Holy crap!" And I was like, "Shoot him! Shoot him! Shoot him!" And I arrange him, tell him the yardage, shoot him! Shoot him! Shoot him! And I just kept saying, "Shoot him!" And this bull's just standing there eating. And then bull across the way will bugle. He'll pick up his head and he'll bugle. And that one time he turned his head, and I saw, I was like, holy crap, this guy is a monster. He was a big five by six. I mean, big. And he had good belly. He had ones, twos, threes. Everything was, it was, it was nice. But sorry to rub it in there. (laughs) (laughs) He was nice. (laughs) So anyways, he he screams out a bugle. And I remember that because we're just, just like in awe, you know. And then he turns and he's going back to start eating and he spots us. And he just stops and stares at us. And then he just turned and bolted. And he was gone like you wouldn't but He was quick, man. And he just ran down the draw and up over onto another ridge. And then you hear him bugling over there in like seconds. And we're like, you got to be kidding me. And what's a real kicker is Norbert and I, we go over there. We were kind of walking around, checking things out. Go back to where we're standing Start talking about the whole situation. We eat our uh, little burritos, what we packed. And what was it, 30 minutes? Something yeah, like that? we were talking normal, just kind of, you know, trying to figure out our game plan, do next. And, yeah, for about 30 minutes, all of a sudden, cows just started <laughs> yeah, running out all around us. And we are like, where did they come from? <laughs> His, uh, had it been that bull's herd? all right there and we had no idea that they were there and then we we did not do too well um sitting we no. sat water we sat meadows and i don't have much of a attention span well i mean, I, me and brian did okay sitting <laughs> <laughs> well they were sitting together i was sitting by myself probably the dumbest thing to do because oh my god i can sit still i couldn't figure it out i could i tried to sleep i couldn't fall asleep I deleted all the games off my phone. I don't know why, but I did. I love solitaire. I couldn't find anything to play. So I was looking at pictures of kids, which don't, you know, I love my kids, but you can only do it for so long. <laughs> Just re looking at old pictures and stuff and deleting ones. Like, oh, that was a horrible picture. Delete it and stuff. And, uh, yeah. So we, this meadow we found was, we were going down a mountain road and we caught some elk down in a nice open meadow. And it looked too good to be true. We look at Onyx maps, and it's starting to look like it's too good to be true because it looks like it's all private. And then we're, we're referencing the meadow we're looking at and Onyx maps, and it shows that that meadow was cut in half. One side was public, and one side is private. That's all we didn't know. We kind of put a plan together, and we said, "Go for it." So the first evening with Nobert, we decided to go out there and hit this uh, meadow. And 
we thought we were, you know, do that. I don't know what else people do when they go to set a meadow or a water tank, but we thought we were early enough. It's about two thirty, three o'clock in the afternoon, probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty warm still, so you don't think they're going to funnel out yet. Uh, halfway down, and we're on an old two track, and we we were glassing down, and we made the turn, and I don't know who it was. Someone does the old like stop, don't walk, and everyone knows what that means that there's game in front of us. And sure enough, the whole herd was already in the meadow, and some were already jumping onto the private. And we don't know what to do at this point, other than that we were late to the party, big time on this one. And we never really made it down because we pretty much just watched them all jump the fence. And uh, we, I think we did try to go down a little bit and thought maybe we could call some back over. I know we said we weren't going to Kong, but why not? Where we have to. No. This episode is brought to you by Stealth Cam. Do you even 4K? So, yeah, they were jumping the fence and we pretty much wrote that off and boogied out. And we tried it one more time. Uh, down there in the meadows, we got down there. That's when we had the problem sitting around for a long time. We decided to get out of there, and that's when uh, there were some cows starting to feed out, but they never wanted to come out in the meadow. We weren't sure if they smelled us or what was going on. There's like a lead cow. I remember she came out and she took yeah. three other cows with her and very off to the right. We never. She saw came them. down and she never looked at us, but she came no. out and she. Just stopped. Stopped and frozen. She was staring straight, straight out. It was something which she didn't like, but she wasn't looking at us. It was like they had no idea that we were there, unless if she smelt us, maybe we just wasn't sure where it was coming from. So yeah, they she turned around, took the other elk with her, and went up into the tree line, and they left. So we left. So we left because we didn't have, yeah, we had about an hour left of uh, shooting light and we need some areas we could hit real quick and maybe see if there was some milk, et cetera. We get out and we took one last look after we're heading out on the road and we look down, the whole herd down there, bulls, satellite bulls, everything. And it kind of, our lesson learned that just got to be patient and wait. And it's hard because that would have been more like about a three to four hour wait. From the time we got there to yeah, when they're popping out, like actually coming out into the field, and um, we don't have the patience for that. We don't have the patience. So another hard lesson learned. It's hard to sit there. I don't know if you guys have the same problems or. Yeah, that's, a, that's another question. How many of you guys sit at water holes and actually are able to sit there throughout the duration of time? Uh, what's needed, you know, because. You hear that they come out in the in the mornings, in the evenings. I hear that they like to hit those water holes in the mid afternoon. You know, like um, we were gonna go hit a water hole in a different unit once, and we were back at camp, and I just had this feeling. You know, I was like, dude, I think we need to get out there because it was hot, man. It was it was a hot day, and sitting there at camp, and you're feeling hot, you're thirsty, and I was like. Well, if we're hot, we're thirsty. They have to be the same. They got to be going to get water. So we uh, got our camel gear back on, rounded everything up, took off, and we were headed to that water hole. And we crossed up over the hill and going to the water, and the elk were already there. Yep. Remember that? I remember. That and was pretty early in the afternoon. Yeah, it yeah. was. 
Ooh. caught us by surprise. That was a good yeah. Awesome, yeah. It and it was it was rough and you're like son of a gun man we were like and it just gets you you know every time so on back on that question what do you guys do do you sit at the water all day long do you have certain hours you know where you like to sit you know like the morning do you sit there three four hours and then get up and leave or what do you guys actually do and i'm multitasking um for those that don't know we run on Instagram, New Mexico Trail Cam. So it's at all lowercase NM Trail Cams. And those are all <clears throat> guys that uh, catch a uh, big game on their cameras. And we run a lot of cameras as well. So, yeah, if you're sitting there listening to us, look it up, check it out, follow. There's a lot of cool stuff out there. And guys out there in New Mexico catching some really cool stuff on the game cameras. Yep. But... We, we really just wanted to touch base and say, hey, yeah, we're here. We, we didn't leave anywhere. We were just got busy with life. And, um, but we're going to be back at it. And we'll have a lot of guests on our list that we have coming up. Hopefully, we can get them on. Sometimes due to scheduling and all the other fun stuff, it doesn't always happen. But we have a lot of fun stuff coming on. We'll also have a return guest of uh, the legend, Rich Frederick. That has a whole new story to it because he uh, kind of moved out of state. But, he had a lot of hunts down here in New Mexico, and he's taking on some guy in life up in Colorado now, so it'll be interesting to hear. Check in with Rich and see what he's learned from this past season. Yep. And uh, we have, we're with Anka Gear, which is a camel company out of Spain. We'll, if you want to come by the booth and say hello to us or, and check out the gear or just talk to us, it'd be awesome. Uh, Brian heads out to SHOT Show here in a couple days in Las Vegas, so he'll be at SHOT Show the whole time. I will, so make sure you come by and say hi. And then both Eric and I will be at the Ovis show in uh, Vegas as well. So if you guys are in the area for that one, come by, say hi to us. We'll be at the Anka booth as well. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to do some podcasts with some of you guys. Uh, if time permits and the crowds aren't too bad, we'll love to have you guys as a guest. Yeah, and so. ask some questions or talk about your... 2019 hunt and and what you got planned for the 2020 yeah, 2020 you know we got well we always have big plans it's, it's all draw results so we'll see what happens with the draws we have our strategy and we'll see what happens and there's a lot of exotic game here in mexico we haven't drawn yet and maybe this will be the year that we finally get to draw some exotic game like oryx and barberry and i'm not sure if we're gonna put in for ibex or not that's always a hard one to put in for not a hard one just yeah, we start putting for every single game. That starts to add up pretty quick. It adds up, and then if you draw every single game, yeah, then you're like, "Oh, you really?" Kind of fork out the money, and you got a lot of. How am I going to break this to the wife? Yeah, <laughs> the hardest thing: bring to the wife and uh, work, trying to get in there and work around your your uh, schedule. So, and collaborations with uh, Onyx Maps. So, if you're out there and listening, you're not using it. I would use it. It's Definitely makes things a lot easier and a lot less stressful. We like to hunt really checkerboarded areas. It's good and bad. Good meaning that those game like to go in and out of those little checkerboarded areas. The bad thing is you will see them on land that you can't hunt. Um, but with that, with Onyx Maps, you can figure out. I mean, there's multiple times we saw who was who owned the land. We, we never called anybody to see if we could hunt their land, but it was nice knowing that if we wanted to, we could make that, and that was an option. 
Yeah. And it's not just a guess on whose land it is and stuff like that. You know, you never know if they say yes or no, or you may even hit game and may cross onto the property and you're going to have to retrieve it by playing the, the checkerboard game. And if you're nice enough, a lot of times them ranchers will let you get on there and retrieve your game. So it's always a good tool to have that on it. So definitely check it out. I think I always use the GPS prior to using Onyx on my phone. I think, I don't know, this is just my opinion. I like having not to carry two items now because let's just face it. We all carry our phones with us and then you carry GPS. Yeah. Could your phone fail you? I've had it now. What? We've, three years now we've been using it. Mm, I've never had it not work. It's right. always worked. As long as you save your maps, if you're not in service, they work just fine. Um, that's it. If you got service, obviously you can use your, the system just as well, but it's never not failed me. And I, it doesn't burn up battery power. I've never had a problem with battery no. power. So it's, it's definitely a plus not having to carry one item or you have double safety. It's, carry it's a, a great tool you. when you do, when you guys are in service and you have a cell service, like us, there's a certain area we go to where we go shed hunt and we split up. And so if somebody's in the sheds, you know, then we are able to mark our location and share it with each other. So we know exactly where the other individual is at. So whoever, if Eric's over there finding a lot of, a lot of sheds, he'll send me his location and I'll make my way over to where he's at to join him, you know? So it definitely helps out, you know, being able to do that. And even if you have little points because we're always scouting on it and we'll mark water holes and so on and so forth or draws and saddles and stuff like that. And we'll share those points with each other. That's nice. And then other guys too, you know, if you draw units that you're not aware of, you probably come across some friends that have or some acquaintances. And if they have the same system, they can drop you some stuff. Yeah. We've had people uh, hit us up from out of state about certain units. And we would, we ask them if they have Onyx and, they do, or if they don't, then they end up downloading it, and we share tons of waypoints with them of areas, you know, to try and help them out. We're we're here to help out. We're not we're not going to be that type of person who sends you into an area where you're going to be unsuccessful. And if we know the unit, we'll try and help you out. If we don't, we'll let you know that we don't know anything about it. Or, well, maybe we, I, even I even help. You know, I try to even research yeah, for them go if I can out, find someone know? that knows an area of that particular unit that they that I don't know because I'm sure you can't know every unit by hand. This is too big of a the Western states are just too big, and um, yeah, that's where that goes. So uh, we're back at it, and we'll talk to you guys here in about two three weeks. Hope to see you at the shows. <laughs>